My grandfather's number was 51F15. So his ring was one long ring and five shorts. I totally against having just cell phones. I also have a landline and I have a phone in case the electric goes off, I still have a phone. I tell people to do that and they think I'm crazy, which I probably am. Before cell phones, before touch tone, before dial tone even, if you wanted to make a phone call, you'd pick up the receiver and talk to an operator. If that call was placed in the Catskills in the late 40s through early 60s, Lula Anderson might have been working the switchboard. Lula invited me to her home in Greene County, where she recounted tales of the telephone and growing up in the Catskills. I'm Brett Barry, and this is CatsCast, the Catskills podcast. My name is Lula Anderson. I'm from Ashland, New York, and I've lived here all my life. Was born here 1931, and I'm still here. What was it like growing up here? Well, rural, but uh, family. We were poor, but we didn't know we were poor because everybody that I knew was in the same condition. We didn't have store-bought much of anything. Everything was either grown here or made here. Your parents made everything, did everything for you. My father and mother lived where the Cave Mountain Motel is, and my grandfather had a hotel next door called the Maples. My father was the farmer. Well, he was also my grandfather's handyman. They had uh, uh, horses and, and took them out to different hotels for riding purposes, and that was my father's deal. He did all of that until we moved to the farm, and then he was a farmer the rest of the time. How did you meet your husband? I met my husband when I worked for the telephone company, and uh, it was in 1957, 58, when IBM was just beginning to come into Kingston, and the um, telephone company was building on, making more lines for for IBM, and they needed operators, and a whole bunch of us went to Kingston. And my husband was working for Western Electric in Hartford, Connecticut, and he came to Kingston and that was when it, we all got together and knew each other. Um, before we get into telephones, tell me a little bit more about growing up here and your childhood and what kind of things you did for fun. Well, we, I don't know about fun, fun. We worked on the farm. Even as, as little children, we had our chores to do. The things we did was mostly family. My family, uh, both sides of the family were musical. So if there was a holiday or a get-together, a family, we always had dinner, and then after dinner, it was time for music to be played and singing, and and everybody played a different instrument, and it was always family together. I had an aunt who lived right next door to the Maples, where we lived, and she and her husband had had a big hotel called the Bump House, which is now in Cooperstown and it is the Bump Museum. And so with that, we spent a lot of time at her home. And I had a lot of school friends and we would get together and go to their houses. And within the school, we had dances and things like that. But uh, socially, you didn't have the time to do because you were working most of the time. And this town is Ashland. This is Ashland. Which is Green County? Green County. It's always been here. It was a dry town for many, 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 many years. No bars, no no drinking, unless you did it undercover. <laughs> but no, there was it was a dry town. And it was all farm towns. 
farms everywhere. How did you get into the telephone business? When I was a, a senior, I believe, the local telephone company, which was Ma Bell, as we called it, had an apprentice, I'll say apprentice, and they decided that we would go and learn the business so that we could work for them. There was maybe five or six of us that year, and we worked two hours, two days a week, and then half a day on Saturday, learning how to be a telephone operator. And then after I graduated, then I continued to work there. They had no jobs for us, and I went to Albany and worked there, and then came back and worked in Wyndham again. Wyndham was a hotel place on the mountaintop. Every other big building was a hotel. So as soon as Memorial Day came, the town swelled to be big and every hotel was open. And then the, our business of the telephone company was there and they needed the help. In the wintertime, they did not need only just uh, a few people. So what years were you an operator for Ma Bell? I worked from 1948 till 1960, well, when they stopped, and I think that's 65. When you say that they stopped... Um, when they went dial. They went to a dial. Right. The towns around us, Jewett, Lexington, Prattsville, all had dial, but we did not have that yet. And some of the other towns like uh, Tannersville and I think Hunter had some dial, but the rest did not. So before dial, someone would just pick up the phone, mm -hmm. and your voice would be on there. The light would come on. We would pick up a cord, put into the jack that went with that number, and say either number please, depending on if it was here or if it was a dial, and then say operator, and they would tell you what they wanted, and you connected them to where whatever it was they, they needed or wanted. Was there a jack for each number? It had a jack for each line. For each line? Mm-hmm. My grandfather's number was 51F15. So his ring was one long ring and five shorts. But you didn't have everybody like maybe you had one long and one short, two shorts, whatever. And the person at the in their home knew what their ring was and they picked it up. Unless they wanted to be nosy and they picked up and listened <laughs> to somebody else talking. So your phone could be ringing quite a bit then and it wasn't necessarily for you. It was for someone on that line and yes. you would only know by how many rings your phone right. generated. Right. And, and you were responsible for that. How would you generate the rings? We had a little key that you, you pushed to ring and... Um, we had to ring a lot of things. Had to ring the noon siren, We not from there, but from the button. We had to ring if there was a fire. You had to know where the fire was and tell the fireman where to go. So it was really a hard thing sometimes to do because the button to ring the missile was on the other side of the room. And 12 o'clock was okay, but if there was a fire, if somebody called in and said there's a fire on Mitchell Hollow, such and such a place, you'd have to go ring the button and then go back to all the firemen calling in to say, where's the fire? And you have to tell everybody where the fire was. It was a, sometimes stressful. And then we had to keep track of all the long-distance calls on a little slip of paper, where it was from, where it went to, and all that, and how long they talked and everything. So you had to keep track of all that. Oh, were they billed for time? Mm-hmm. Boy, that's a lot to juggle. And then you also had the phone booths. 
because they didn't have phones in all the rooms at the hotels. So you had the phone booths and you had to keep track of the money on that how much it cost to go here, there. A call was 10 cents locally, but then you had long distance and you had to put down if they put in quarters or nickels or dimes to pay for it, and and they could only talk three minutes, and then you had to tell them that the time was up. If they wanted to talk longer, it had to pay, and you had to keep track of all that. When you mention these lines that multiple houses or customers were on the same line, is that the same thing as a party line? I've yes. heard that term. yes. So that just means that... Um, there was more than one person on the line. And and you could pick up and hear each other's conversations. So mm-hmm. what would happen if I was on someone else's line and I picked up the phone to make a call and somebody was speaking, I would just have to wait, hang yep. up, right. try again? Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> wait till it was free. But then they didn't use the phone that much. You had people who were, I suppose, nosy when they heard the, somebody else's phone ring. They would pick up just to listen, but they were busy. They didn't have time. So uh, at the time, long conversations weren't necessarily happening on the phone. It was more of a quick way to uh, check in with somebody. Right. So take me through the process. If I I pick up my phone, Mm -hmm. a few seconds later, I'll hear a voice. Yes. Well, we had the switchboard and we had cords, the cord that went into the phone number and wherever they were calling to. And when the light would come on, you put the cord into that jack and say, operator or number, please, and then thank you. And you would put them into the uh, calling number and then ring. You'd have to ring the key in order to get the line to connect. And we had lights at the bottom, and you'd know when they hung up because those lights would go off. And then you could uh, disengage the cord Mm -hmm. from the jacks. Right. You had to remember the numbers, a lot of the numbers. We had a phone directory that was on above us that you could look up people's numbers and they would call and say i just need the doctor i need this uh, person you know so you'd have to look it up maybe or it would be coming in to you from another town and you'd have to look up for them in front of us uh, under glass we had the different towns and how to get there through catskill through albany through whatever and the code to go through there and you had to know those but you had to look it up under your sheet if you didn't remember but after you were there a while you begin to remember people's numbers not local like family numbers but the doctor's number and the hotel numbers you got to know what they were without having to look them up when people heard your voice did they recognize you or say hello sometimes if it was a quiet day did you have your own conversation (laughs) well times they was children that would be like at school they'd want to call home they didn't have any money they'd pick up the phone i want i'd like to talk to my mother and i don't have you know uh, that type of thing and uh friendly familiar but you didn't really have time to talk talk but you could be friendly Mm -hmm. and most everybody was yeah and you knew the kids in town. You knew who they were. And If a kid so, at school needed to call home and didn't have money, were you? was there anything you were able to do? To... I would always figure it out. Yeah. <laughs> figure it out. It was a very a nice time, really was. Do you remember what your starting pay was? No, but I remember working every day, every minute that I could possibly work and to come home with $100 was a lot. And that would be like five days, eight hours. $100 a week. If I worked every minute of every day. It wasn't often. Usually it was about 80 or $90. 
uh, you mentioned different towns on the switchboard. How large was the area that you were in charge of? We did uh, the Wyndham area, which is Maplecrest, Hensonville, Wyndham. And then we had Jewett, Lexington, and Prattsville. Ashland is included in that. So if someone called from Phoenicia, they would have their own operator? Yes. And they would contact you? And the operator would contact us to ring the number. And you'd take your cord, and when you, instead of putting it in the jack, you would tap it, and if it was busy, that's what you would tell them is busy. You could know that the line was in use somewhere, either at the switchboard or however. And then you just have to tell just the tell customer to call that, back that later? It was busy, and they would try it again every five minutes until mm. they got the number. There are no busy signals then. There's no nope. uh, no call waiting. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no call. You can you can wait, but you, <laughs> you don't call. And then uh, dial came in, what year, 1960? I think it was 65. Mm-hmm. Each person would physically dial the number, and it would automatically connect, so there was no need for right. a human the only operator. Thing, the only thing they needed the operator for was for long distance. Oh, okay. Locally, they could dial their own. Mm-hmm. One of our biggest customers, other than the hotels, was the Greendale Packing in Prattsville. Their switchboard operator would call you, and you'd have to do long distance for her. And and people didn't call long distance, except in the summertime, if they were here as a guest at a hotel, then they would be calling home and doing that. But otherwise, it was just local, local. What was the longest distance? Do you remember? Oh, no. I, I had connected people to overseas. I think it was like $12 to call wherever over. And that was just uh, another series of codes or longer yep. numbers? And uh, you go to the like uh, New York, and the operator there would connect you to wherever. So the caller might have to wait on the line for a bit for all those yes. connections to be made? Right, or you would call, tell him that you'd call him back as soon as you had the party. If he had the phone number and all that, you'd call him back as soon as you had it. Wow. Mm-hmm. As soon as it went to dial, we were finished in Wyndham. They closed the office. And um, the girls, some of them went to Catskill or went to other places. I was then married and and didn't want to continue to do that. And I had already been there 18 years or more, so that was enough of that. You know, now I think back maybe it would have been better if I'd stayed to 20, but didn't. But I wasn't about to travel to Catskill every day to work. And so once dial came in, operators were still standing by for long distance or? Just long distance. Just long distance. And at that point, you'd have to dial zero. Yep. And then when the office went out here, then it automatically switched them over. They didn't, you know, went right to Catskill or right wherever. I don't think you can even get an operator on the phone anymore. No, even when you want uh, information or you can't, it's all, everything is automated and they don't seem to understand me. I keep saying, am I speaking a foreign language that you don't know what I'm saying? Because if you don't say it exact, it's not there. For a business or government listing, please press 1 or stay on the line. For a residence listing, please press 2. I totally against having just cell phones. If I want to call somebody and I don't know the number, then how do I find the number? Because there is no directory for cell phones. Mm -hmm. And that really annoys me. I don't know how you'd have a cell phone directory, but... It would be a good thing if you could find out how to find people. I also have a landline, and I have a phone, 
in case the electric goes off, I still have a phone. And I tell people to do that, and they think I'm crazy, which I probably am. What do you think that we lose today by texting people rather than picking up a phone and having a conversation? I really think we lose almost everything. You don't get the influx in their voice. You don't get their feelings. You don't get, you just get the words. And maybe those words are not exactly as the person would have said it to you face to face or or on the phone. I think we lost so much of that. I have a young friend who texts with her mother and she said her mother gets upset or gets annoyed at something. She said, I say, and I didn't say that. I, I texted, but I didn't say that. And she gets it wrong. And I think that's what we're losing, the, the personal contact with people. So you've lived here your whole life. What are some of the biggest changes? I think the biggest changes are the loss of farms and the loss of hotels. And as much as I enjoy the, the area and, and see the changes, good and bad, uh, we lost the, also the personal contact with people. And we had hotels everywhere, big ones, little ones. I, as a young person, worked at a lot of the different hotels. And at that time, when you rented a room at my grandfather's, I think there were, it cost 23 or $28 a week. <laughs> and you got your room and three meals a day. And you stayed for a week or maybe a month. And uh, you came by boat or, or however. They had the uh, Hudson River Day Line that brought them up from New York, and then they stayed. Most of the hotels, like the Sugar Maples, provided you with everything. It didn't matter what you needed or wanted, it was there. And um, they, they had 500 guests, so that's a lot. And we lost a lot of that. Of course, all the hotels, except a couple, are gone in Wyndham. Is there still a sense of community here? Yes, but I don't feel it's the same. And this has changed in the last maybe 10 years. You don't know anybody. You, you can't go uptown and see somebody on the street and know who they are because it's all new changing all the time. Second homeowners? Uh, yeah, a lot. What do you do now to occupy your time? Oh my gosh. All right. I am uh, a lay speaker, lay servant for the church, and I speak whenever I'm asked to. My gift is to tell stories, Bible stories mostly, but I tell other stories. I belong to the Eastern Star. I'm on the committee there. That's the women of the Masons. And I am president of the Golden Age Club. And that's a historical association? No, it's just a group of older people. Then we got into having a hot lunch, and I think that's why we have more now than ever. And that also brought more men to the group because they like to eat and will come and stay and do whatever just to be have a, and, and it's very good too also because a lot of the local people may not have a hot meal every day. And so I do that. I have a group of people that I call every day. Are they well? Do they need anything? Can I get them anything? I can't personally maybe do it, but I can know somebody who will help or do whatever. And to just 
well check uh, five minutes that's you know are you okay so you're still doing the same thing you were doing as a switchboard operator i am still at it <laughs> connecting <laughs> it with people never it, it doesn't stop and the church is important to me in ashland so we're we're doing that all the time dinners and benefits anything to raise money to keep the church going and we have the food pantry. I, I did arts and crafts for years and years and years, and I now with the macular, I can't see to do that, so you're just passing it along, doing what you can. Well, you're keeping very busy for a 92-year-old uh, and doing really great things. I think the biggest thing is to be busy, mentally and physically. If you sit and think about yourself and worry about yourself, then you get sicker and sicker and... I'm sorry if people are sick, but sometimes you can make yourself sick. Mm -hmm. Like over this holiday, I was alone all the time, and I could sit and cry because I was alone, but that doesn't get you anywhere. And tomorrow comes whether you, <laughs> you want it there or not. It still comes. What's your hope for the new year, Lula? Um have people be more family-oriented, not so aloof with other people. I would like to see less me with everything. And find more joy in your life. And I know money is important, but um, I think we dwell on, on that. We don't dwell on people as much as we should, and I would like to see more of that. Like, you know, you, you knew somebody, and did, have you talked to them in a long time? Have you called them in a long time? Do you know how they are? You don't even know if they're alive or dead. We're supposed to be here to make this place better, not worse. And I think it's too much me. But then what do I know? <laughs> what do I know? It's a good day, that's all I know. The sun is shining, it's a good day. Cat's Cast is a production of Silver Hollow Audio. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. You can also find us at catscast.com and on Instagram at catscast. Many thanks to the Nicholas J. Juriad Family Foundation for their generous support of this podcast. Thanks also to the Mountain Eagle, covering Delaware, Green, and Schoharie counties, including brands for the local region, such as the Wyndham Weekly, Schoharie News, Cobleskill Herald, and Catskills Chronicle, including a weekly column by Lula Anderson. For more information, call 518-763-6854 or email mountaineaglenews at gmail.com. I'm your host, Brett Barry. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.